The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. Uh, sorry if I'm a little nasal, but the pollen's really kicking up here around uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, like uh, so many of the big uh, tracks, uh, Del Mar and Saratoga, little old River Downs closed out its weekend on Labor Day. But we went out feeling awful good because at the track with us was Michael Blowen and all of his friends uh, from Old Friends Retirement Farm in Kentucky. And we just had a fantastic day. I want to thank everybody that, that supported the auction. They were saying that Isaac was going to come up and blow us all out. Well, of course, uh, you know, the weather guys aren't always right, and luckily they weren't. We had one brief shower. But nonetheless, uh, just had, had a great time. Uh, Michael is uh, just such an exuberant guy and uh, feels so strongly about taking care of, I believe it's 177 horses they have at Old Friends, a great place to visit. So I want to thank everybody that donated items uh, to the uh, uh, auction, the silent auction. Uh, uh, Matt and Wendy Woolley uh, gave us some fantastic photography, as did Pat Lang photo. And uh, we also got plenty of support from the Daily Racing Forum. So I'd I'd like to thank everybody uh, that donated. And uh, a good time had by all. Big, big, big Labor Day weekend. And we'll try to get to as many results as we can. There was just a slew of stakes races. I wonder if there's a weekend that has more stakes races uh, at one time than uh, Labor Day weekend. A lot of them are going to have impact on the Breeders' Cup later in the year. Uh, One horse that uh, we were hoping would make it to the Breeders' Cup right now, we just hope he makes it out of the horse hospital, is is Painter, who won the Haskell on July uh, 29th. At at first, they they took him to an equine center thinking that he had pneumonia, then he seemed to be okay. They put him back in light training with Bob Baffert. Uh, Then he spiked a big temperature, and uh, then they found out that uh, he's been fighting uh, colitis, and since then, because of the restrictions that he has, uh, he's developed laminitis in three of his legs. Uh, now, they, he has been fitted with casts to support his feet. And I think the latest reports were uh, that, that he was walking okay. So uh, let's, uh, let's all just uh, say a little prayer and, and hope that, that, that Painter makes it back. Before I go any further, I do want to let my winning ponies audience know that uh, with us tonight, uh, handicapping later in the show, is going to be Dave Lifton. Uh, you know him uh, from the Daily Racing Forum. He's the author of Dave Lifton's Expert Handicapping. He also partook in uh, Bet with the Best, a book he wrote with uh, Andy Byer, Stephen Christ, uh, Steve Davidowitz, uh, and some of the top uh, people, including Mike Watchmaker. So uh, we'll be talking with Dave Lifton. And then uh, before talking to him, we'll talk to somebody that uh, 
everybody out there, I think, knows, certainly will remember her from her riding days, and that is Julianne Louise Julie Crone will be with us uh, 15 minutes into the broadcast. So uh, we've got some great guests lined up for you tonight. Uh, from the good news department, uh, the, the handle of the United States uh, rose 11.6% in August, even though the race days went down, but maybe that's why the handle's up. Fewer opportunities, more reasons to bet. Uh, some of the uh, other tracks that, that closed out uh, this weekend uh, that uh, showed an upswing, one is Ellis Park, a track that might be going through some changes. Uh, they uh, finished with nearly 13% increase. Uh, their field size was a little bit bigger to 8.4. And on the track, well, he was uh, a guest on Winning Ponies just three weeks ago. Brian Hernandez Jr. finished in a dead heat with Corey Landry as the leading rider at Ellis Park. John Court was just another nose back. And uh, Tim Glyshaw and Mike Maker tied as top trainer for eight wins each. Might be some changes in the wind at Ellis Park. Uh, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission approved a sale of 30% of Ellis Park to an ownership group associated with the Saratoga Harness and Casino up at Saratoga Springs. The 30% stake cost the group $4 million. Uh, Ellis is uh, currently owned by a guy I've been in handicapping contests with, Ron Gary. Uh, he got the track in 20, 2006 from Churchill Downs, and now they have installed instant racing machines, which makes me think that's what brought the New York group to the table. Also uh, really spiking is uh, Canterbury Park uh, Increase of attendance of 7.3%. Total wagering up 25%. Why? Better purses, better horses. You've heard that. Well, this year, the uh, the Middlewalken Sioux community, if I've got that right, uh, spiked the purses, injected $2.7 million into the fund uh, as a result of a $75 million joint marketing and purse enhancement agreement. Uh, they operate the Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. So uh might just have to give a call to the Shakopee, Mittawankin, Sioux community and see if they got any extra purse money for us down here. Uh, closing out the meet, uh, the champion trainer for the eighth time was Mac Robertson, while Tanner Riggs was the top jock. Uh, interesting news here. We've got uh, youngsters that are going to the stud farm. Uh, brother Derek, multiple grade one winner. He had his first winner as Captain Derek got up in Sunday's fifth race at Monmouth Park. No biz like showbiz. Winner of the 2007 Wood Memorial got his first winner at Hoosier Park with thank you kisses. And here's one we've all been waiting for. Everybody was wondering, whatever happened to the Green Monkey? The Green Monkey was the most expensive thoroughbred sold at public auction, and he was represented by his first winner, when Ken's Funky Monkey won at Delmar. Now, this is his first crop. Uh, you may recall that he was bought for $16 million by Demi O'Burn from uh, the Hartley DiRenzo Thoroughbreds as an agent out of the Fazic Tipton February sale of two-year-olds. Well, just because you're a fast two-year-old doesn't mean that transfers to the rest of your future. Uh, he started only three times. His best effort, a third-place finish. He now stands for $5,000. Uh, near Ocala, Florida. So it'll be interesting at $5,000 a pop how quick he'll get back to uh, $16 million. Um, moving along, uh, two uh, uh, champions, uh, 
will no longer be with us at 30 years old. Theatrical. He was a Breeders' Cup champion, a race by Alan Paulson. Uh, he was put down due to the infirmities of old age. Uh, you may know he sired 22 grade one winners and 14 lifetime millionaires. Uh, he won 10 of his 22 starts and uh, over $2.9 million. He's a horse that put a lot of distance into his horses. All total, 81 stakes winner. And then uh, Canadian champion, Rainbows for Life. Well, you can just say he kind of checked out because he was the leading sire in the Czech Republic. And uh, he was, uh, again, put down because of old age. He was 24. Uh, you may recall he raced for Sam's Sun Farm and was just a sensational Canadian bred. Uh, he was voted uh, Canada's champion, two-year-old male and leading older male. So he really had some stoutness about him. And uh, taking a look at the t- uh, top boutique meets, they're over. Ramon Dominguez just set records and was phenomenal at Saratoga. Ended up with 68 wins with a 24% win percentage. Uh, Todd Pletcher was the top trainer with 36 wins. The top percentage trainer, though, was Chad Brown. Then we go to Del Mar, where it was a kind of a record day on Labor Day. The Killer Bees, Bay Arano and Baffert, unbelievable. Uh, they teamed up to win the Del Mar Futurity with Roland Fogg. Uh, this was uh, the 11th time Bob Baffert has won the race, and, and Rafael Bayarano with that win set a single-season record for stakes wins by a jockey with 13. Unbelievable. And Baffert, man, does he have a handle on the two-year-olds. Swept all the major races over there, went in the debutante, and then uh, we'll tell you who he won later in the day, uh, in the program, I should say. But again, Bayerano with 52 wins. Baffert was not the leading trainer, though the leading money winner. The leading trainer at Del Mar was Peter Miller. Okay, let's get in to some of the great race action that we had over Labor Day weekend. We're going to start out with the forego. Now, we talked about that workout that Mike Welsh saw that uh, Shackelford didn't seem to finish up too well. And Shackelford, I believe they said, spiked a bit of a fever, um, did not go to post. So that really changed the uh, the look of this race. MC, the Karen McLaughlin trainee, got slight favoritism and pretty much just pulled away from the field and had it all his own one by four and a half lengths. That's MC. Is that going to be a cult to watch McLaughlin? Of course, he's absolutely loaded. Uh, then there was uh, the Wood, Woodward, uh, Mucho Macho Man, definitely picked as the one to beat, went off at 4-5. to five. And Billy Mott, you can't throw him out. We talked about that last week. To honor and serve was very impressive, uh, a bit wide, and then uh, he... Uh, dueled it out with Mucho Macho Man through the lane, just got up by a neck, Mucho Macho Man second, and Cease was third. So congratulations to the Billy Mott camp. Uh, also at Saratoga, we had the, the spin away, and it was Tony Dutrow coming out of the Schuylerville. There were five horses in there that already won at Saratoga. And uh, so many ways was the name of this filly. So she is now undefeated in three races, one at Parks and now two at Saratoga, a daughter of a $3,500 stud by the name of Sightseeing. Second was Sweet Shirley May. And third, Teen Pauline, who was the heavy favorite in here. T. 
Paul Lee showed a lot of speed and uh, paid for it through the lane so many ways, one by two and a half lengths. Moving right along now, let's go to the, the Saranac at Saratoga. Can you imagine getting 10 to 1 on Ramon Dominguez this meet? Well, if you bet on Bridal Command, you did, and you got it at 10 to 1 on Bridal Command. Came from off the pace and caught Skyring, who tried to steal this race, was on top by eight lengths. Uh, when he got caught, he actually fought back pretty good against Unbridled Command, but couldn't get it done. Lucky Chappie, the Irish bred, rallied. This horse was the slight favorite. Uh, Lucky Chappie, though, could not get it done for trainer Graham Motion. All right, let's go out to Del Mar, the Del Mar debutante. And it was executive privilege, Bob Baffert, just doing it again. This horse is going to have to make some more money, though, and uh, paid $650,000 at the Ocala sale. But this horse is certainly living up to its reputation, has now won four races in a row, including three stakes, a grade three, and now a grade one. But I'll tell you what, Rafael Bayorano and Baffert had to work for it, uh, kind of went easy in the early going, was rated in fourth, then got up, uh, drifted a little bit, and just got up by a nose as the four to five favorite, another beautiful ride by Rafael Bayorano. Then I'll Going to get used to this name one of these days. Parks Racing uh, was the grade three Smarty Jones. And uh, it went to Easter Gift. Uh, Teeth of the Dog was the favorite in here. And Teeth of the Dog, sad to say, sustained a severe laceration in the back and had to actually be vanned off after setting all the pace. Uh, not sure where it happened in the race. Uh, set the pace, faded to third. Uh, Easter Gift got the job done. Traffic light was second. Just a slew of great races. Also then at Parks, they've got a grade three, win and you're in. This is Sprinters on the Turf and an exciting race, a three-way photo and it was Ben's Cat, the slight favorite, getting up uh, was fourth, third, second and just got up by a head. Then it was uh, Chamberlain Bridge who was right there, put in a good rally and he was a nose ahead of Great Mills. So looks like we'll be seeing Ben's cat in the Breeders' Cup later this season. All right, Derby time, the Del Mar Derby, and the winner was upset time. My best brother, wire to wire, stole this one. This horse has now won five races in a row, wire to wire. I'm sorry, I stand corrected. Lost by a nose in the La Jolla. But nonetheless, my best brother, very impressive. How great... Shipping in for Monmouth had Mike Smith up and uh, put in a really top effort. It was only beaten by three-quarters of a length. How great, again, it never raced on the West Coast, so that was a top effort. That Another Graham Motion trainee. Then uh, out at Del Mar, we had the uh, grade two yellow ribbon handicap. Favorite got beaten here again. This time it was Hello Dolly. Joe Talamo just had a great weekend out there. Hello Dolly got the job done over City to City, who was the slight favorite, finished a nose ahead in Vivo Perlet. All right, Saratoga, the three chimneys hopeful stakes. 
Well, it was a Julie Crone wannabe that got up. That's right, Rosie Napravnik, Shanghai Bobby. Now, here's, here's an undefeated Colt now that has two stakes wins. Uh, Shanghai Bobby was not the favorite. Fortify, a Karen McLaughlin trainee, went off the slight favorite after a huge bullet work at Saratoga. Best of 73 on the day. But nonetheless, Shanghai Bobby gets the job done trained by the leading trainer at Saratoga, Todd Pletcher, and again, Rosie Napravnik in the saddle. Well, while Rosie's looking to be a real rising star, we're going to get to talk to one that is a rising star in everybody's book and has uh, set records and has made her way not only to be a fantastic rider in the United States, but she's got plans to win some races across the pond. The one, the only, Julie Crone, ladies and gentlemen. She's up next. Stay tuned to Winning Pony. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel the opening kickoff is a beauty there's a fly ball deep right field that goes o'neill he's at the shot got it with 2.8 seconds left to left i don't care where they put him this one is out of here from high school to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, really looking forward to this next segment. As you know, uh, one of my best friends in life is uh, is Patricia Cooksey, uh, who used to ride around this part and uh, followed her career and uh, supported her. And luckily, she got to the top uh, to be able to say she was once the the, the leading uh, female rider in the United States. And then this young upstart came and grabbed the crown away from her. Of course, I'm speaking of uh, of uh, Julie Crone, uh, who had such a, a fantastic career, the first female jockey to win, win a triple crown race and the first woman to be inducted in the National uh, Museum uh, Racing Hall of Fame. Um, 
might be the only woman jockey, no, no, Robin Smith, to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But in the whole history of racing, uh, there's only been eight jockeys that made the cover of, uh, of Sports Illustrated. So uh, with me right now, I'm not going to read your whole resume because this is only an hour show. Uh, with me is Julie Crone. Julie, how are you? Hello there. Good, day. Good evening. Well, th- thanks for uh, leaving the pool and, and, and joining us this evening. I'm looking forward to this very much. Um, Julie, going back uh, now uh, that, that you have in the ride and, and thinking back about your career, when did, the, when did the twinkle first get in your eye that this was something you decided you wanted to tackle? Um, I was pretty, I was older a little bit. I think I was like 12 or 13, and um I was really an accomplished horse rider at that point, but then I saw Steve Cawthon in 73, I think, or maybe 76, win the Triple Crown, and they had such, like, normally horse racing wasn't covered on TV so much, and because of him, uh, the broadcast really picked up a lot of the Triple Crown story with Affirmed and Alidar, and, like, what a fantasy story, you know, you have horses battling, and you have this this sensational young jockey, and I saw that, and I was just totally hooked on horse racing. Well, we're, I'm right with you. As a matter of fact, where I'm sitting right now, about 100 yards from where I am, is where Steve Cawthon won his first race. So, Wow. I, was, I, I remember I, that in the book so yeah, well. Like, 1976, um, Red yeah. Pipe was the name of the horse. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he did create a lot of excitement. As a matter of fact, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated a couple times. Now, now you said you were kind of an accomplished horsewoman. I, I understand that your mother was, too. Yeah, uh, my mom, my mom's avenue with the horses was, um, she was really pretty amazing, and my brother's pretty good. My brother has a, a stable, he trains, he's a thoroughbred trainer in Maryland. Um, his name's Donnie Crone, and my brother and I both were exposed to such early, amazing training by the horses. Uh, sometimes people see, like, the, um, the Cheval stuff, like, uh, Cavalia. That's the kind of things my mother did. She'd buy, like, a $50 pony from an auction and sell it for, like, $5,000, you know, two years later, and it had 22 Liberty Circus tricks put on it. Fantastic. So I think the the scene, the subtle communication between a horse and a rider or a horse and bridalist or bareback or whatever, um, I was able to, trans, you know, take a lot of that education and that intensity of, of the subtleties that a horse is capable of, and it can't, comes in really handy when you're dealing with a you know a gorgeous, hardwired, perfect thoroughbred. Now, um, you know, you came in. I'm going to say probably around 1980, the, the early 80s. By that time, uh, was there still a problem? getting rides because you were a woman or by that time had had, a, had enough of the girls proving themselves um i didn't i had my head down a little bit during that time so i have to tell you i didn't really look around much and notice um i mean i think if you go back on articles or something maybe you'll see stuff but i had a lot of fun and i got to be in the you know the delp shed row pretty early I had just lost my apprentice. I think I was but maybe a month into my... No, I had a month with my bug still, and I got to ride for Delp. Um, so it might have been... You know, I didn't. I won more races without my apprentice than I did with my apprentice, so I don't know exactly how to answer that. I mean, I didn't, I didn't live in a world. I was so engrossed by the horses and so paying attention to what I was doing. Unless someone asked me, I didn't really 
have those complaints, you know? Uh, now, when, when you when you started kind of moving on to tracks, I mean, you've had championships at, at, at numerous tracks, uh, uh, Belmont Park, Gulfstream, Monmouth, the Meadowlands, uh, Atlantic City. Was there, was there kind of a favorite circuit that you had or a favorite track you had? Um, well, if you start out, like, at a, at a smaller track, your dream is going to be to go to the bigger track. So that's not that big of a mystery there. So if I was, like, at... You know, if I was somewhere like Delaware or something, I would think, you know, oh, I want to be really good at Pimlico. Or, I'd, you know, then you see something on TV and you'd be like, oh, I want to ride in the Kentucky Derby or I want to ride New York. Like, I didn't really have, like, it's all so fun. You know, I, I strived for everything that I could. Anything I saw that was, you know, the next step up, I had such, I was wanting to do that so bad. Well, you, you were always a great ambassador of the sport. Now, um, I'm sure most people know, maybe some don't, that, that you're married to Jay Havday, uh, who's been a guest on Winning Ponies. Um, how did you and Jay come to meet? Was uh, just the, you were riding the circuit out there, and he was doing enough interviews with you that you became friendly? No, that's not what happened. Um, I wasn't riding out here. Remember, I just I just moved out here to work on the TVG. And okay. I had retired, and my mother passed away from cancer. Um, and I took like a year, and I just came to California, and I was on the TVG set. And then they uh, let some people go, or if you want to be like Paul Ryan, they fired them. <laughs> uh, anyway, they fired them, and I was one of them they fired. And I had some time on my hands, and I was looking for another job. And during that time, Jay Hovde did a, a piece like, where is Julie Crone now a year after I retired? And we just met and hung out. Like, I had a horse. I had to use my horse as a buffer. He's a jumping horse, and my mom and I raised him and bred him. Um, and he was out at the, out at a, you know, California stable here, and he came and met me, and we just hung out, and I just got this huge crush on him, and then I started hitting on him a lot. <laughs> So you were the aggressor, huh? Yeah, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you guys are married, and you have a daughter. How old is your daughter now? Six, and she comes up to my chin. Whoops, I guess there won't be another uh, uh, no, riding. And she uh, weighs 57 pounds, and I only weigh 100, so I don't think we're closing in on any jockeys. <laughs> does, she, uh, uh, does she get exposed to it uh, through the two of you, and does she seem to enjoy it? Um, yeah, we do a lot of we do a lot of the races when Delmar is on, and when uh, and like we're going to England soon, uh, and she loves the races. It's funny because her her version of the races is very different than is very different than um, my version of the races. Like, she goes to the races, and the guard pulls a quarter out of her ear, and, you know, she gets to go to the bathroom in the jockey's room, and, and, and you know, another guy gives her ice cream on the second floor. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, she goes back to Mandela's Barns and gives carrots to this really awesome horse called uh, 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 Kindle. She's two for two. Gary Mandela trains her. You know, she just walks into the Mandela barn, which the horse 
grand motion that came over and won the Delmar Stake. The horse was in Mandela's barn, and Mandela was teasing the grand motion girl that gallops and works for him. He was like, leave that horse in my barn. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorelai's version of the race is, is very different. <laughs> than yeah, it that sounds like Disneyland with liniment. I know, you got that, you got that right. Uh, well, speaking of another world, you're going to be stepping into uh, another world uh, coming up here. Uh, the the 2012 uh, Clipper Logistics Legere Legends race. Ledger Legends, yes, sir. It's a mouthful, isn't it? You get those those European words floating off your tongue. Well, it is, but uh, it, it brings together quite a group. I understand there's going to be like uh, 16 legendary and popular ex jockeys that are confirmed to to ride in the Ledger Legends race, uh, and this. That's coming up next week. Yes, and it's kind of interesting because last year it was a little bit smaller, and this year they sold all the tables. And I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the America's version of the you know injured jockeys fund, kind of. And then also the some of the monies goes to uh, education as well. The Rubens um, have have uh, sponsored me for the the race. And they put almost all their money and everything into into education and health. Can you imagine? <laughs> pretty fantastic. It's pretty cool that it, they represent racing, and and Dale Gibson has done such an amazing job with the whole thing. It's just like, oh, it's just I'm so proud to be over there, and and I was kind of scared getting on horses and breezing and everything at Del Mar, and obviously my muscles hurt really bad, but I can't think of a better reason to have my muscles hurt and be a little bit scared than to you know, get some donations and some money raised for such an amazing cause. Now, this isn't your first year there, right? No, it's not my first year. It's not tell, my first tell me about the first rodeo. <laughs> I heard you did pretty good. Yeah, and uh, you can check it out on YouTube or anybody who watched it, you know. I mean, it's hard to explain 20 horses going a straight mile, so you kind of have to see it or to believe it. Uh, obviously, it wasn't difficult for you to adapt to. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of hard. It took some, uh, you know, part of the time I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say I was just totally not aware of what was going on because <laughs> it's a very very long time. Like I thought going down the Belmont backside was a long time before you could move or really, you know, start to get position with your horse. So this was a really 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 long time. Uh, I was really lucky. Michael Dickinson came and walked the course with me before the race, and it was very helpful, and I really got a, a much better idea of what was going on. He is a master at that. It's oh, unbelievable. You know, I read about my, you know, Reader's Cup wins you know? he's had and everything, the way he can judge where to be on a turf course. So he helped you out, huh? Yeah, and when we were walking around the course, it was kind of cool because he's quite a legend there. You know, he won... A lot of jump races in his day, and when we were walking around the course, people were, like, screaming, Hey, Michael Dickinson, I need your autograph. Yeah, I think one time in the Grand National, his horses ran one, two, three. Yeah, he's pretty cool, dude. Um, so, now, when you get over there this week, do you have any idea of who you're riding? Is it is it done by lottery? How does that work? Yes, it's a betting event, so however their betting events go, I, I don't know enough about the European races to know about the entries and all that. I mean... You know what I mean? It could be similar to here, but it's a betting event, so it's just it's just done the same way. And I, think, um, I don't know. <laughs> I should know that answer, but I'm sorry. So you you just you just kind of showed up, and they said, 
Julie, you're on this horse. No, it's a betting event, so I'm making an assumption that there's just a pill draw, there's just odds made, but I don't know. The bookies are different than here. You know what I mean? So I don't know the like how they put the riders on it might be by pill draw, too. Um, I never read that, or I don't remember any stories. I think it, it, that would make the only logical sense, right, if it's, it's a charity event, but they bet on it? Yeah. Yeah, they probably just do the pill draw, um, like they do here, maybe. I don't so, know, how do they do the, the, the things here when, like, the riders just rode at Arlington Park? How did they pick who rides what horses? I think it's the same way. I think it's a pill draw. I don't think yeah. you know who you're on until a couple of days before. Yeah, but we do know that the odds are, the difference is that they have bookies over there, right? Yes. Right. And then that can change at any moment the way they do their betting over there. Also, yeah, sometimes no they idea. lock your odds in. So if you've got a horse at 5-1, to one, you got them at 5-1. to one. Ooh. Uh, well, listen, uh, Julie, thanks so much for, for spending the, the, the time with us. Now, is there going to be a way uh, through YouTube or anything like this that we, that we can see the uh, Ledger? Well, Ledger's actually, race? it's um, whoever has the Doncaster St. Ledger's Legends, uh, the race, whoever is, I mean, um, TVG, HRTV, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe later on, maybe tomorrow or something you can find out and then inform your fans. I will try to do I that. Think, My guess I is remember everything. I think everybody was at the Keeneland sales because Mandela and his stable and Owen Hardy, um, they all put me on horses. And then there was this other guy, Peter Erton. I know I only get on horses for certain people and make sure, like, you know, nothing goes wrong and everything's perfect. Or, or try to eliminate all the chances of chaos. <laughs> and so those were the people that really helped me, you know, get ready. And I just walk in after the whole year and be like, can I breed a horse for you? And they. You know, they don't hesitate, and luckily, I never, I, well, I missed one time, but it was on the side of the slow, so that was good. But, you know, like, I breathed, you know, 35 horses and never missed a time after a year, so it's pretty cool feeling. And I will have to tell you that they all were hand-picked, and they were all, one horse is 10 years old, so we'd like to think he knows what he's doing by now. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't take all the credit. I had some really, really nice horses picked out for me. And some really awesome trainers that helped me get ready, you know. So it's it's a charity event, so it's really fun and pretty cool for racing. And it was just it's just so wonderful to be involved with it, you know. Well, Julie Crone, thanks so much for spending time with us, and we'll all be rooting for you Thank in you the so Logistics much. Ledger Legends race next week. All right. Take Thank care, you. ladies and gentlemen. That was Julie Crone, a Hall of Famer. And coming up next, uh, he's considered one of America's leading handicappers, and he's written the books to tell you about it. That's right. We are going to be talking to Dave Litvin from the Daily Racing Forum right after this break on Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. 
Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is... Dave Litvin, uh, you read him in the Daily Racing Forum. He's a handicapper. Uh, he's the author of uh, Dave Lifton's Expert Handicapping. He also uh, partnered up with uh, some of the best in the business, and the book appropriately named Bet with the Best, and uh, he had his own chapter in there. Uh, he uh, writes weekly columns on uh, what's going on around uh, New York and uh, seems to track the track biases uh, before Joining the forum in 1990, uh, Dave wrote a handicapping column for the New York Daily News, and now this lucky guy gets to live up by Saratoga Springs. I am jealous. Dave Litvin, how you doing? I am great, John. How you doing? I, I'm just fine, just fine. The, the live meet's open, so, you know, life kind of changes after that. Uh, you know, everything gets a little bit quiet. We move to the simulcast schedule. But it kind of stunned coming out of a Labor Day weekend. I mean, everywhere you turned your head for three days, it seemed like there was a, there was a great at-stakes race going off. So it was a busy weekend. It was. And, uh, you know, it was, it's a bit of a grind. But thank God, you know, we had uh, uh, a little break here before Belmont opened Saturday just to kind of catch our breath. And, uh, you know, now we begin, the you know, the the real, you know, crunch time as far as the divisional awards go. We do, but before we get to that, uh, Dave, I always like to to explore how your interest was piqued and, and and how you found your way into the racing world. Well, I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and it was it was kind of a magical time. It was the time when the Mets were good and the Knicks and, the, and Joe Namath was guaranteeing a Super Bowl and. OTB was just being formed, and all of a sudden, a couple blocks from my house, you could you could walk into this, you know, brand new spanking uh, off-track betting parlor and and place a bet on a horse, and nobody seemed to care if you were 12 years old or not. <laughs> and uh, you know, it just had a real immediacy to it. And you know, of course, this was you know at the time where Secretariat and Forgo and Ruffian and 
Ah, and all these horse, all these horses, you know, just immortals were running, and you know, it was just spoiled, you know, during my formative years to see these horses, you know, knocking heads, you know, one one after the other after the other, and I was just like, I was hooked for life. Well, I came up about the same time. I'm not going to tip off my my age, but. Uh, it really was exciting. I mean, you, you think about how things were different back then. I mean, I remember uh, it was forego and foolish pleasure. I believe it was the Marlboro Stakes. Yeah. My brother was getting married that day. I think, I think it was honest pleasure. He around the corner, and he pulled an envelope out of some, one of his gifts and just said, here, put all this on foolish pleasure. Uh-huh. <laughs> I believe that was the day forego got up by a nose. Yeah, that was honest pleasure. Oh, honest pleasure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm winging this. I don't have a manual in front of me, though. That is horse. Either one of which would, would have been a you know a hands down champion these days. Yeah, and 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 to think back then that that uh, horses did a thing called carry weight. I yeah. Bill Shoemaker will go down. It's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, you brought the name up for a go. Some somebody interviewed him after a race, and he said, "What's the hardest part about riding for a go?" And Shoemaker looked up at him and he said. Taken off the saddle. <laughs> Pretty much weighed almost as much as he did. Yeah, exactly. It was about it was about forty percent of his weight that he had to pull off that huge horse. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, those those were uh, that those were just great uh, generation uh, when when you had slew and affirmed and secretariat and forego and so many of the great ones. So I can see where it was easy to get the hook in you. Now, yeah. how were you able to turn your passion into a profession? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I got serious about a lady friend who, who eventually became my wife, and she was like, well, you know, I like you and everything, but this, this business of going to the racetrack without a job isn't going to work, so you're going to either have to find yourself a job or, you know, something's going to have to change. So she encouraged me to go out and leave my resume at the racing forms offices back when they were in Heightstown, New Jersey, and I did that, and uh, eventually they called me back and said, uh, you know, we have a job for you if you'd like to go around, you know, filling in for people taking vacations, doing charts around the country. And, you know, at the time I was about 22 years old. I said, well, why, why the hell not? Absolutely. I know a lot of guys that got into it that way. Yeah. So did the Massachusetts fairs, uh, you know, Charlestown, West Virginia, which is where I learned to drive a stick shift on a two-lane road going back and forth from the motel to the track about <laughs> 1130 at night. <laughs> And, you know, Ellis Park and uh, the, the Pea Patch and went to River Downs for one one exciting hot and humid summer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, uh, did that for a few years until it was time to settle down a little bit and then went back to the New York Racing Association, got a job in the press office for a few years until I wound up with the news and then with the forum. And that was 20-something years ago. <laughs> well. That, that, that's fantastic. It really is. You know, the whole thing is, you know, you got to be on the bench if you want to get in the game. I tell youngsters that that want to break into the sport at the top. It's like, no, you got to start out, you know, doing the grunt stuff, and sooner or later, people above you are going to move on to other places, and you're going to be there. And if you do a good job, you'll get the job. Yeah, and you know, for a while it just seemed like it was never going to happen. But then, uh, you know, I happened to catch a break uh, in the late 1980s when uh, Walter Annenberg sold the racing form to Rupert Murdoch and you know he was ever the entrepreneur and he he put out a little sheet called Metro Turf which was just like a little glossy 12 page thing that he sold for 99 cents kind of to compete with himself you know with the racing form um, you know and this was you know New York papers were still in their heyday so uh, 
you know, I just left the news to go do that, and it lasted about a year, and then when it went under, they just kind of assimilated everybody from there into the racing form, and, uh, you know, so that was my in there. Well, obviously, be, being a New Yorker and being where you are, uh, that's your specialty. I mean, you had a heck of a weekend, and so I tried to come up with some some big races this week, and you know, they kind of seemed like they, they played a lot of their cards last weekend. Uh, the best race I could find at, at Belmont uh, was the Bowling Green. And uh, sad to say, uh, it looks like it's coming up with a, with a short field and, in my opinion, uh, a standout in air support. Yeah, you know, you have races like, you know, the Sword Dancer and the Arlington Million and, and the Four Star Dave in August and, you know, leading up to the Joe Hurst Turf Classic in a few weeks. So this... this race kind of gets caught in the middle you know it's a grade two but really in the last few years it hasn't been won by grade two horses you know um you know it's a five horse field it looks like air support on his best day is the best horse but since he wants the virginia derby last last summer uh race that kind of knocked him out according to shug mcgay he he hasn't had too many of his good days since then but on the other hand i think the race that he ran uh, at saratoga in a high-end optional claimer well, it was a little disappointing because he ran third at three to five. I think it was probably a good bridge from the from the UN when he ran a pretty good race for second behind Turbo Compressor, just to get to this race. And he has run well in his two races at Belmont. He won the Pilgrim as a two-year-old, and last year he was second uh, in the Hill Prince. Um, so I think you know on his best day he's the horse to beat. But you know this is one of those five-horse fields where you know it's just the pace complexion is a little hazy. I have a horse like Bombagia who looks like is you know, stepping up a bit, but he looks like he could be, you know, in control of the pace. And then you have the X-Pactor totally on the outside in uh, Brujo de Oleros, the uh, Uruguayan superstar. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not up on my Uruguayan horses that much. He was four for five over there. Is the uh, Grand Premio Pedro Payura their uh, Kentucky Derby or what? Uh, I guess so, you know. But I, I mean, you know, he was three to two in his, in his uh, U.S. debut at Monmouth on J- July 29th against Gourmet Dinner, uh, you know, and he ran okay. You know, he ran fourth. Um, you know, whether he, whether he can handle a stretch out to a mile and quarter and switch to turf and go to you know Greatest Stakes Company all at once remains to be seen. Uh, but he is in light, and uh, you know, I don't know, you know. You know, air supports the kind of horse that's going to be seven to five, eight to five, and I don't really have any conviction. You know, great conviction on a horse that hasn't won in over fourteen months. But then again, you go down the, the line and you have brilliant speed. You know, he, like air support, he won a couple of graded stakes last year, but he's winless in over a year. Then you have Newsdad; he'd be right there off his Pan American win at Gulfstream back in March. But then again, that came against Hailstone, who's two for life, and you know he hasn't done much since then. He was really well beaten by point of entry in his last two starts, and. And you have Bombagia, who's stepping up from a non-winners to uh, allowance win, and that's it. That's all you have. So we could have a competitive five-horse field in the Bowling Green. Yeah, you know, and Air Sports getting a switch to John Velasquez for the first time. This has been a good, good combination. I think he's going to get be handled a little more aggressively. He's had a couple of sharp workouts uh, right before leaving Saratoga, and you know, it's a short field without much speed. And if you go back to his race in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. As a two-year-old, he does have a little bit of positional speed. You know, I, like, I know Shug likes to train his horses to rate and finish, but in this situation, I'm, I, I think you might expect to see him, especially from the inside, just, you know, fairly close, in close touch to the pace. Well, let, let's take a big leap here and go from New York to Louisiana Downs. Uh, it's the Super Derby, grade two, at a mile and an eighth. 
<clears throat> excuse me, this race uh, seems to give you a little bit more to uh, uh, do your handicapping with. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think the race centers around blue skies and rainbows. You know, this this is a horse that has inside position. At first glance, you look you look at everybody and say, well, there's a lot of speed in this race. You know, I'm, I don't know if that's going to be so great for blue skies and rainbows. But then you start looking at everybody and say, well, he's got inside position on most of them. It looks, I'm not sure if the other ones are as good as him. I mean, this is a horse that came a long way for Bob Baffert uh, last winter. He went from maiden 30 claimers to the Santa Anita Derby within the span of a couple of months. And, you know, came within a half length of beating I'll Have Another in the Santa Anita Derby. Right. And, you know, then after that, I'm not sure why they sent him back to the turf, uh, Churchill, on Kentucky Derby weekend when, when he'd run so abysmally on it at Santa Anita as a two-year-old, but they did, and he ran terrible on it again. And then they put him away for another two months and brought him back uh, at Hollywood Park July 4th in the swaps. And, you know, it just he goes wire to wire, and he turns back Nonios, who, who came back and ran a bang-up race for second in the Haskell. Yeah, and uh, liaison considered one of the top three-year-olds earlier in the season. So the only thing that you know bothers me a little bit about this horse is are those breaks in in yeah. his competition? Yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean, and, and but you know once you get past him, then you then you just have uh, you know a wide open race where whereas two most legitimate challengers, seemingly Bourbon Courage and Rousing Sermon, are all the way on the outside and. You know, it's not above the people down at Louisiana Downs to have this this track. You know, you know, an inside you know paved super highway on big race days like this. Um, you know, you generally just don't see you know a lot of horses breaking from outside posts and getting much getting much of anything in these two turn races. And you know, Bourbon Courage on Speed Figures looks good, but I remember he came in for the Woody Stevens uh, on Belmont Stakes Day, and unbeknownst to me, after I had picked him to win that race, there was he was listed to wear an aluminum pad. So this horse has some kind of foot problems, and after that race, he was gone until August 4th. Comes back and almost wins the, the West Virginia Derby in his first try past a mile in his first try at two turns. Uh, you know, he's picking up weight in here, but so is everybody else. But, you know, on the numbers, he looks okay, but I'm, I'm just worried about, uh, you know, that aluminum pad deal. And, you know, I don't know what his, what his shoe situation is right now. All right, well, we're uh, talking to Dave Litvin, and we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to break down uh, two graded races from Arlington Park, the Arlington-Washington Lassie and the Arlington-Washington Futurity. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and again, uh, with with me is uh, Dave Litvin from the Daily Racing Forum. You get to read him every week and take a look at his selections and get his insights. Don't forget, he also has Dave Lifton's expert handicap. And by the way, Dave, for people that are listening to us and uh, want to maybe get a copy of uh, any of the books you've written, where can they go? DRF Press? Uh, yes, DRF Press, uh, DRF.com, and just hit DRF Press there. And, uh, yeah. Well, I let's hope they do. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to stun them because you're you're going to you're going to give them you know four solid winners today. Your book will be going off the shelf. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. But c- coming up, well, we talked off the air about the Arlington Washington Lassie and the fact that everybody and his brother wants to get in this race and and they're willing to travel to do it uh, uh, from from Canada to from, to Canterbury Downs. Uh, they've got 150000 up for grabs. It's a mile for two-year-old fillies. I'd like to know who came to the top for you. I've got one long shot I like in here. Okay. Um, you know, I guess Flying Rapunzel for me would be the horse to beat on paper. You know, I have a lot of respect for Wayne Catalano and the job he does with young horses. And You know, first time out, it just looks like a case of maybe five furlongs was a bit too short when she got beat by Bethany Bell. Uh, but she really kind of leap forward off that three weeks later. I guess the the key question with her is whether or not she's a need-to-lead type because it looks like there's several other speeds in the race. Well, uh, she, she uh, came out of that race and she worked really well. In her training, I can tell you that, because uh, she just had two really solid works up at Arlington. Yeah, I, I mean, she just looks like a filly that, that just probably wanted a little more distance, you know, and just, uh, you know, didn't want to be run off her feet early and, you know, outside in post-12, if this was a two-turn mile, that would be a, a detriment. But, you know, being a one-turn mile out of the chute, that's going to give her time to settle in and get position, depending on what everybody inside her does. And, you know, I think she's the one to beat. But, the, you know, you have a lot of interesting horses here where you've just seen, you know, the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, Gold Edge, you know, debuts for 50,000 and wins and then comes back at Arlington, going from dirt to synthetic, and, you know, and wins a small stake nicely. Uh, you have custody um, for Al Stahl, uh, you know, and Adele Dilschneider, homebred. Uh, this is the same connections that uh, unveiled Sign for a nice, a nice win at Saratoga a couple weeks ago. And you know, you don't see too many fillies like Custody, you know, trailing by 14 lengths early and come on and win going away. But that's what she did at five and a half. Yeah. You know, it, it suggests the mile will be okay. And and it, you know, if we do get you know one of those pace meltdown kind kind of deals. Uh, you know, she's certainly got the background to, to be rolling late here. Well, a horse I found interesting um, 
I just hope it hasn't developed a bad habit, is a 12-to-1 shot. Number three, you bought her. Uh, she uh, has finished second twice and won her last. Uh, she did finish behind uh, Flying Rapunzel. I, I like the fact that in her second start, uh, going uh, a little bit longer, seven furlongs, she came back with a 71 buyer. I, and then... Uh, since her last start, and both of her last two starts, they had to say, said lugged in, but she does seem to like the Arlington course. Uh, right. She put in a, a scintillating workout, uh, the best of 46, and you know there's some nice horses up in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, going five furlongs. So I, I'm a little hesitant with the, with the lugged in, but obviously she could still be green. Uh, and uh, She's that, been seven furlongs twice, though, so that's in her favor. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's got a little foundation in her having gone seven furlongs twice, where everybody else in here is either stretching out from shorter races or been you know seven or a mile once. So. Uh, interesting. Bethany Bell, another long shot in, in here, uh, is a horse that beat Flying Rapunzel, and she's got a morning line of thirty to one. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, she didn't, you know, she came back and she just she didn't really go forward uh, in the Lisa M uh, on August fourth. You know, it's very hard to say with these two-year-old fillies, you know, especially when they're stretching out now, you know, especially we get into the fall and they're going to start going a mile and start going two turns. You're going to see a lot of these horses that, you know, were really speedy and precocious. They're All of a sudden they're going to be running up against horses that are a little later maturing and with a little stouter pedigrees, and it's going to make for some challenging handicapping. Yeah, challenging handicapping, and this this might be a chance. You know, everybody complains about the short fields we have in North America today. You want to spread your money around. You might want to do it in the Arlington, Washington Lassie. Well, while that drew fourteen, uh, the boys' version, the Futurity, uh, at a mile, um, uh, drew eight horses, but uh, similar uh, similar scenario, and it looks like a lot of horses uh, could have an upside in here and several horses that have already had a chance to meet each other uh, in the Meadow Lake at Arlington. Yeah, and I, I like a horse coming out of there, uh, Muppet Man. You know, you know, obviously, he won that race by nearly five lengths, and he's the only two-time winner in the field. He's got a pattern that I, that I like. You know, a, a horse that improves second time out and then follows with an improved workout, which, is, which he did 12 days after the Meadow Lake. Um, you know, but you know he, he's going to be no barring. He's probably going to be the favorite. He's breaking from the inside post, but he has break, broken alertly in his first two starts. Uh, Pataki Kid, who's in post three, is another one who has the same pattern. He got a 47 first time out uh, on the buyers. Uh, that was on dirt, and then he came to Arlington at seven furlongs, and he improved 21 points to win, and he beat uh, a horse named Tulira Castle, who won as a second timer at four to five last week. Um, you know, he's perfectly eligible to to go forward again after two bullet works since then. And then on the outside, you have my loot, uh, you know, who just kind of looks like, you know, he, he's going to be one of those consistent sorts. He's already had some stakes experience. He broke his maiden last out at four to five, first time on the synthetic, and he's positioned outside where he can see what everybody's doing. Well, I know Tom Proctor does some racing out on the West Coast this time of year. Interesting that Garrett Gomez is coming in to ride Pataki Kid. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. So that kind of tips me a little bit. Well, anyhow, David, it's been great talking with you. I I appreciate you handicapping a little bit out of your realm, uh, going to Louisiana and Arlington. I know your specialty is New York, and and all of us really enjoy uh, reading your columns in the Daily Racing Forum. Well, thanks, John. Great to be here. All right, Dave Lifton, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you can read them every week in the Daily Racing Forum. Well, once again, we put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack. I want to thank uh, Julie Crone for being with us and Dave Lifton. Don't forget, 
Keep dialing up winningponies.com. You can hear all these shows on podcast, and you can get a lot of their products. They're going to put you on winners. So, for Dave Lifton and Julie Crone, I'm John Engelhart, looking across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.